Hello, world. Retrieving Brad and Christy from the cloud. Hi, I'm your host, Christy Hornland. And I'm Brad Rayford. Welcome to the Risk Factors Perspectives in IoT podcast. And today we're continuing our conversation with Adam and Jane about the future of medtech and the implications if these devices were to get hacked. With all with all the changes that are happening, obviously there's a lot of movement in the cybersecurity space for medical device and connected to medical devices. Scenario here, how afraid or how real is the threat of ransomware hitting world leaders, pacemakers, and glucose monitors? Is that, is that something that we need to be concerned about? Um, you know, that's an interesting question. I, I mean, and I wouldn't necessarily frame it around the the specific uh, individual, a pacemaker, a glucose monitor. Those are things that are typically not 100% connected to a network. And But if you do think about a ransomware attack on a hospital system, then certainly there are a number of medical devices that are on that network that you know, could be impacted. And there are noted cases where they have been impacted with ransomware. I think um, one of the challenges that we have in in this environment with ransomware and medical devices is there's no, um, and and I'll I'll be careful here because I'm not an attorney, but there's a challenge, there's a gap here and a challenge where there's HIPAA, which covers PHI and the FDA covers pre-market clearance of the devices. But who is responsible for the security and safety of a patient connected to a medical device? So for that medical device, what regulatory agency is going to come in and say, this medical device went offline because of ransomware and you didn't have sufficient protections, therefore you will have these things to worry about, right? The the regulation that we see, at least in the U.S., is very much focused on HIPAA. So if someone leaves a laptop in a car, oh my God, huge HIPAA violation, fines, et cetera. Um, if a device is, you know, has ransomware, is ransomware impacted, goes offline, patient has, you know, maybe not the optimal outcome, who jumps in, right? That's that's not clear to me. And I think there's a potential gap there in talking with others in the industry of, you know, what is the uh, what is the mechanism by which we enforce cyber safety within the four walls of a hospital? Um, but to answer your question in terms of the threat, yes, the threat has already materialized for a, a medical device within a healthcare facility. When it comes to hacking individuals, pacemakers, I mean, that, that's certainly the stuff of movies that you'll see. I'm not aware of a particular you know, incident where you know, a world leader was impacted, but certainly there have been vulnerabilities um, that have been publicly made in pacemakers they might lend themselves to that type of thing playing out. Maybe quickly to ask back to Jane, does that disconnect between the patient and the provider of the medical device also play back to some of the things that you mentioned in the supply chain kind of regulation build? Yeah, I think, and I'm going to answer that question just tagging on a point that Adam just made before, which is uh, the point around liability in all of this, because, you know, hacking incidents, ransomware, 
um, it is very, very difficult to assign liability because of this ecosystem of connected devices. So um, I was walking through a scenario with a colleague of mine just um, just earlier today, actually. So we were talking about this scenario where a ransomware attack occurs and you're midway through surgery and then this subsequently causes the device to malfunction or, or alternatively the hacker obtains the ability to shut off let's just say the pacemaker and threatens to do so unless the hospital pays them off um so where these harms uh, where these harms are actually impacting um the question is is it is it the the responsibility of the connected medical device maker um or and in that you've got to ask the question very much around if an alternative design of these connected medical devices was to happen, would that actually prevent the the, the hack attack from actually happening in the first place? Um, or another question, I guess, later that, you could kind of say, is the responsibility of the end user of the connected device in the company, in the hospital, are, are they the ones who've got to um, respond and react and take the brunt of this attack? Um, or ha actually happening. So what we're saying um, back to a lot of the organizations I talk to in the medical device manufacturing space around this is that first off, every connected device is different, okay? And that is another reason why um, we've got guidelines and not necessarily clear regulations because connected devices, there's um, I think, let's say, 21 categories and 1,500 different types of connected devices now with different patents on them, okay? So a one-size-fits-all definition of um, who's liable or what the security requirements would be around these is quite hard to kind of uh, pin down. But there is an alternative solution because at the end of the day, these attacks, hacks, do actually uh, occur and I can go into um, uh, a few examples in, in just a minute. Um, but what we're saying to kind of a lot of these organisations is that this is an opportunity probably to think a little bit more proactively, um, look at their country specific regulations and the regulatory guidelines um, and then complete a, a kind of an independent risk management plan. Um, the risk management plans actually are part of the guidelines and I've seen those definitely imprinted the word risk management plan in at least six or seven country uh, regulatory guidelines around cybersecurity. So this risk management plan is really to, to, to help the manufacturers understand and assess their own, their own uh, position, their own liabilities, um, and to actually help them almost prepare before uh, that medical device might be um, used in a scenario um, such as the one I've just talked about before. And then the other kind of push and the, the request from a lot of the regulations is around threat modelling. So again, that's another term that's been used across the regulations um, in various countries. But that's really to say, right, I've looked at um, kind of the risk management and now I'm thinking about the threats, the potential threats that will impact likes of ransomware, um, likes of uh, a, a kind of a denial of a service attack, eavesdropping and 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 
other kind of particular uh, threat types, categories. And what they're doing is really thinking through from the threat modeling perspective, if that was to happen, um, what would be what would be um, my liabilities in, in that situation? And also, what kind of security controls could I show that my my kind of sellers, my buyers um, are actually you know that we are actually working through and providing enough due diligence uh, in order to say this device is as, as secure as we can make it before it actually goes to market. So the risk management plan plus threat modeling is something that is definitely being used um, across the, the, the manufacturing space. Um, and then it, what doesn't harm at all is actually thinking about the crisis management plan as well. If something does go wrong, um, and that really does help the, the manufacturers start to consider um, the uh, how they use their kind of legal teams and their risk compliance and things like that. So um, altogether, those are, are kind of some of the the essentials, I think, that we're 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 really seeing on the back of the changes, the regulations and these potential situations happening. Right, so what you laid out there, Jane, is uh, a very complex, convoluted, difficult to navigate environment and ecosystem. Right? There's not one clear answer. There's not one clear path forward. Uh, but summarizing, right, the companies, manufacturers, the adopters, they're at least cognizant of this complexity, of the murkiness in which they're they're operating. And with the guidelines and guidance that's coming out from the various countries and, and various regulatory bodies, uh, there are steps being taken to try to address and clarify some of that, uh, some of those processes, as well as help advance cybersecurity in a forward motion. Would that be fair to say? Spot on. So as I'm thinking of putting myself in either a hospital that is adopting connected medical devices in mass or as a maker uh, of medical devices, my first thought is I need to go talk to the people upstream and downstream of me and get coordinated with them. Is that a reasonable first step or is that, or is there more that we should, they should be thinking of doing? Yes. And even though I've been, uh, I guess, um, trying to clarify exactly what the regulators are saying in and around the cybersecurity guidelines, um, at the end of the day, even though they are guidelines, uh, the the manufacturers really do hold most of the responsibilities. And if something does go wrong and they are kind of in the picture which most of them will be if something goes wrong in one way or the other um there are some really uh significant repercussions um it it, it can actually turn into um fines which we're seeing there's there's a number of fines um uh, mostly attached to kind of the the privacy breaches um each country has their own um kind of legal framework around kind of fines and investigations but the reputation damage and also the um there is a big uh i suppose cull on the devices there is a recall an instant recall and also there will be um a kind of urgency for the manufacturers themselves stop to stop making in some 
situations, that, that device, that model. So the bottom line um, and the real bottom line of a lot of these organisations will be damaged um, in terms of profitability, reputation. So what we're trying to say is that even though those, the guidelines might need some interpretation and they are complex, um, that's because of the nature of what the devices that they're in, in, in the ecosystems. But that's not an excuse, really, um, to be negligent around the security risk. And I think what the regulators are doing in terms of the action around revamping and refocusing around the security requirements is trying to turn up the heat a little bit um, to actually say that the manufacturers probably need to grow um, some strength in terms of how they take the responsibilities on and really build out the framework that they need in order to make sure that sufficient due diligence has been paid on the device security before it does hit the market. But because it's connected, and Adam made a great point before, um, they're also responsible for the post-market. So the ongoing kind of support and uh, the device, even up to the point where it becomes legacy or it's decommissioned. Well, I mean, it sounds there's there's a lot of nuance that goes into this, um, and I'm sure we could we could talk about this for many more hours. Uh, but I want to say thank you uh, to our guests, to, to you, Jane and, and Adam, for for joining us today and uh, participating in this conversation and being so so thorough and bringing such a depth of knowledge uh, into the world of connected medical devices and, and the cybersecurity guidance that's going on. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.